Again, yesterday was Daf Kofiyot test number one nineteen, the new parak, beginning of the last chapter. Today is number one twenty, and we'll do a review of yesterday's Daf. Grab in mind, Rafua Shlema for Adasavas Ronya for Imi Basvora for Yehudis Basara for Rachelia Basara. I said Amy. Yosef Ben Mina, and Yaakov Pinchas Ben Chayeta. Yeah. David Michal Ben Dvar. Okay, and with the, uh, and anyone else who needs, and um, we'll start our review at the beginning of the parak. So we're talking about a woman whose husband and co-wife went on vacation and left her home. Um, they, either they drew straws or something, you know. <laughs> but whatever it is, she lost that and she was st- stuck at home. And then, uh, as it would happen. Uh, she's informed that her husband died, and uh, but uh, but because she has a co-wife, and uh, the expectation is that uh, I mean right now they didn't have any children, so she should have uh, felt a yibum, but uh, we don't know if she had overseas, so she cannot get married or do yibum until we find out the facts. Maybe her co-wife, co-wife had, had a baby. That's exactly right. Now and uh, let's say. There's a mother-in-law that went on vacation as well. So, could and uh, as far as the expectation was right then, uh, up until then, the status quo was that there was no other brother. So, but the mother-in-law was still capable of having children and she went overseas as well. We don't, that, that and that far, we, don't, we are not concerned that maybe she gave birth to a boy and uh, overseas. And now there is somebody that she needs to wait to do Yibam to, or Chalitza, till he's adult. So we don't worry about that. Uh, unless she went pregnant. If she went pregnant, then we would. Uh, but according to Rabbi Shua, even then not. Okay, so that's the Mishnah. So the question is, it says in the Mishnah that uh, we don't assume that the Tzara, or um, we have to worry that maybe the Tzara is pregnant. What do you mean the Tzara? So the Chiddush here is, is that, um, um, that maybe uh, we only worry about this, that this co-wife that went with him, uh, maybe he, the fact that there's a possibility that he got married overseas, found a wife, got married, and made her pregnant, is beyond the assumption that we would worry uh, about. A third wife? Yes, or a third or a second, whatever it is. If there was no other co-wife, and he was, on, he was away, and then you know, to say that maybe he married somebody... That we don't so. Okay, so um, we said she can't get married or do yibum. So I understand why can't do yibum because maybe it's Aisha Sachta or Raisa. I get it, but uh, why can't she just get married? Why can't we just assume that she should be free to marry? Because after all, Rove Nashim um, do uh, become pregnant and have children, and uh, the wife who went with him. Probably got pregnant and probably has a child, and why can we rely on that? So is our Mishnah going like Rameir who is choshesh for the mute? That's the question. And the Gemara says not necessarily. Could be we're going like the rabbis, and the rabbis only can follow a rope that is in front of us, a rope that is um, that is not in front of us. Not what's the example of a rope that's in front of us? A majority that's in, in our in present. That's like the nine stores or like a Sanhedrin, where we have the places that we know that, uh, that it could come from, where the meat that you find in the street could come from, they're here. It's in front of us. It's not just a statistical majority that usually this is what happens. 
more than a usual. It's the it's most likely because there's there's actual more um, more kosher stores than not. Um, then uh, that that's that's a kind of row for like a Sanhedrin. We have the majority opinion. Uh, those are the kinds of rows that we're allowed to follow. Follow not a row that's just a statistical likelihood. So the Gemara says actually that's not true because we talked about a minor uh, boy and girl uh, that uh, there's no yibum or chalitza. So he said, okay, um, I get why there's no uh, chalitza. You have to. It says by him that he has to be an ish. Um, it's a, and we compare her to him, so she needs to be an adult. I get it, but why can't they just do yibum together? Uh, that was what they asked Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Meir answers that we're con- I'm concerned because maybe uh, we worry about that if he it turns out to be a serious, you can't tell when they're minors, but when they if he's older and he doesn't produce, he doesn't mature properly, um, he's not it doesn't have any mitzvah of yibum because he's not capable of procreating. Same is true with her if she's um, an islandist and she's. Uh, um, even though you can't tell now as a, as a child, but when she's older and she doesn't develop, so then she also is not going to be capable of having children. So it's an, so it's, so why, why we wouldn't be, uh, be able to allow it? So the Gemara said, and it will be an Easter in that case because it's Eishas Shalom Ach, Mitzvah. So the Gemara says, what, what do you see from that? That that's whose opinion, Rabbi Meir's opinion. What do the Chacham say? Now you follow the majority. Most likely that that they're, they're, they're you know uh, reg- we assume that a child would be a regular healthy child. When he grows up, he's going to mature and he's going to be able to have children. And the same is true with the woman. That's the majority. So it, you see that they, w- the rabbis are willing to follow even a majority that's not present. You know what I'm saying? That's just a greater likelihood statistically. So where uh, the only thing that makes sense is that our mission is going like Rameyer who says that we are worried about a minority possibility. Oh, if that's true, then why, when there's a mother-in-law case, why do you not concern ourselves that maybe she will have child? That's the question. Um, and uh, most women, it's true, most women, do, well, don't we say most women do become pregnant, they have children? I understand the minority of those children, minority might be a miscarriage, but um, children are on the whole, between boy and girl, 50-50, uh, half, men, half, half male, half female. So um, basically, it's only a minority possibility uh, that it's male. I understand that it's only a minority possibility, but don't we assume the minority or worry about the minority according to Rabbi Meir? So why aren't we choshish? So that's the question. So the answer answers that uh, the difference is is that we have over here a chazaka. Before everyone left, the, the status quo says that should her husband die, she's free to marry. And we don't want to break that chazaka. The status quo is assumed to remain. That's the idea. So the Gemara says, and what about the Reisha? It's, uh, uh, um, basically, wasn't there a chazaka that the expectation was that she's going to fall to Yibum? We should let her do Yibum, right? Because of the status quo. So uh, Rav Nachman said, and then Rav before, there's a difference. Okay, in the Reisha, it's in Isra Kares. If we let her get married and it's wrong, you know, it's not only just a negative prohibition, it has excision attached to it. Because marrying your brother-in-law is, is a big prohibition. It's, tra- it's a transgression that has excision attached to it. Um, in the Seifa, it's a, it's a love. Uh, we're more, lean, more lenient. Rabbi doesn't like that. He says that Torah law is Torah law. We don't worry about the severity or distinguish between what severity it is. 
If it's a love in the Torah, then it's a love in the Torah, and you've got to concern yourselves about it. So, he, therefore, he says, we shouldn't make a distinction. So, rather, Rava says a different shot. He says, you've got to look, analyze it a little deeper. Um, in the Reisha, the first case, so the status quo is that the expectation is that she's going to fall to Yibam, because there's no child as far as we know. Okay? Most, um, um, so uh, you have on the other side that there's a rove. The rove is, is that typical women do become pregnant and have children, and the wife was with her husband, uh, the other wife was with her husband, so that would say that she's free to go to Lashuk. There's a chazaka, it's not, a strong, it's not so strong like the rove. Okay? So therefore, she can't just do yibum, and she can't follow the rove also, because there's a minority possibility that there was miscarriages, and miscarriages do not qualify as an offspring, and therefore, it's going to be... Um, the, so that's on the side of chazaka that she falls to yibum. So it's basically what we look at, look at it, analyze it, it looks like a 50-50 situation, and because it's a doubt that's an equal doubt, we can't let her either get married or do yibum. On the other hand, when it comes to the seifa, the latter case, the chazaka is that she's free to marry. The rov says she's also free to marry um, because the fact that it's a male is a minority. It's really a minority of within a minority. So even Rabbi Mayer, who's worried about minority possibilities, he's only worried about a minority within a minority. He's not worried about only a regular one, one-step minority, not a minority within a minority, and that's the answer. And that's why even Rameir would agree to the Mishnah that uh, mother-in-law, unless she's pregnant, we don't assume that uh, she became pregnant, which is one step. And even if she became pregnant, that it was a viable child. And not only was it a viable child, it was a male child. Because again, only then will she not fall, fall, be free to get married. Okay. And the chazak is on the other direction. That's also part of it. Okay. Brings us to the next thing. We said that, uh, she, the, that she can't do yibum, can't get married either. Nothing. So the Gemara's bother is like, what, what is this like? Uh, is she chained forever and ever? What, what's the deal over here? Um, what, what do we want? Or, I mean, how, is, why is this a, a, a permanent situation? So Ziri says that as far as she herself is concerned, she has to wait um, before doing anything uh, three months because maybe she's pregnant. And then you can tell if, if she's not showing after three months, she's clearly not pregnant from her husband. And now that's, that's as far as she's concerned. Now what about the co-wife? Co-wife, you're going to have to wait nine months from after the husband is uh, found out to be dead because she might have been pregnant um, or gotten pregnant right then. And um, and then after nine months, she should be allowed to do chalitza, no matter what. Because so, so it's two steps. So she's gonna have to wait the nine months anyway. Even yeah. though technically she only she's only three months, but she's gonna have to wait to see if the other co-wife for nine months. Well, because of the other co-wife, because she can't do yibum or chalitza. Um, chalitza won't work if there's a baby involved. Okay, chalitza is nothing. So she's not free to marry until after the the we we can say for sure that she's free to marry. How do you say for sure? We waited the nine months, so if there was a baby, so then he's been born, and then she's free to marry. And if there was no baby, so then she, the chalitza frees her. So then we, we could do that. Now, that is the chita of Ziri. Rebchanina says that for her, indeed, it's only three months, but for as far as the co-wife is concerned, because of the co-wife, um, it's forever. Now, the question is, why not do our logic of uh, to chalitza 
um, no matter what. So Abaya, Bar Avin, or Abchin Rabin both say that there's a decree that what if the child will be a viable child? Then they'll get the news back and she had a chalitza. So we're going to have to proclaim that that chalitza is not a real chalitza and she's free to marry a co- and she's free to marry a Kohen. So we have to make a proclamation. So what's so bad? So you make a proclamation. I mean, you take out an ad. What's the big deal? The answer is, is that if people didn't get the memo and they were there by the chalitza, so then they'll assume that Kohanim are allowed to marry a chalitza. They won't know. And it'll come out until people permit chalitza to a Kohen. And that's a big concern. So the Gemara says, um, it seems like we didn't really have this concern elsewhere. Okay, well, we had the Mishnah earlier. In the Mishnah, it says that if she says that I was overseas, I had a child, uh, but that uh, but uh, my, hu- my child died before my husband, so then she's believed. My husband died before my child, so I don't have to fault you, but we don't believe her. But we choshesh, and therefore we'll only allow for chalitza. Now, why don't we say that what if witnesses do show up and say that, indeed, she was telling the 100% truth. We saw that she, that she had a child, and the child outlived the husband, and therefore there was no mitzvah. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to make a, a proclamation for the chalitza, that it was not a necessary chalitza, and isn't that itself a concern? So why, why would we worry about it in that Mishnah? So two answers. Her papa says that we're talking about where she's a divorcee. Since she's a divorcee, there's nothing to worry about. And Rav Barafuna said, no, we're, we're, it's because the story that she told us was a scenario where there were no other witnesses. In other words, she said that we were hiding in a cave overseas and whatever, bad stuff going on. And that, uh, and, and then, um, and that in the cave, I had a child. The husband died first, then the child. Okay, so bottom line is, is that the, she's herself, based on her own Inf- uh, you know, what the information that she provides, there is no way that witnesses will come and contradict anything. So therefore, we can, there's never no concern because we're going to say, as far as the world's concerned, she's chalutza. We're never going to find out otherwise. Um, and that took us to the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that you have two Yivamas. One says, my husband died. The other one says that my husband died. Meaning they're, bro- they're married to brothers. So each one is claiming that their husband died. So um, the problem is, is that we only believe a woman with regards to her husband, but we don't believe that woman with regards to her sister-in-law. So therefore, what's going to happen is each one is going to be prohibited because of the husband of the other one. Um, Because, uh, yes, it's true that I believe you that your husband's died as far as you're concerned, but I don't believe you that your husband died as far as your sister-in-law's concerned, and maybe he's still alive, and maybe she needs to give him by your husband. Okay? Assuming they're the only two brothers. What? We're assuming they're the only two brothers, and the same is true with the other one. Now, what if one of them has independent verification that their husband died? She has witnesses that her husband died. So that's not going to help her, but it is going to help the, the sister-in-law. Why? Because she still has, uh, we anyway knew that her husband's died as far as she's concerned. But as far as her, her brother-in-law is concerned, maybe he's alive. All we have to go on is the say-so of her sister-in-law, which is not reliable. Again, right? We we know we can't trust a sister-in-law because they're they're potential rivals. Okay. Anyway, but in so, this yeah. case, but in this case, it's weird because <clears throat> she doesn't want to say that the brother-in-law passed away because that means that her husband might have even with 
and she might become a co-wife. So yeah, so right. She doesn't but really it, have that. But it, 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 the point is, is that once you're in the realm of, of, of where there's a potential rivalness, so then we can't that trust... That overrides that. We can't trust anything, anything. they're saying. Okay. That's the point. Okay. You know, forget about it. You're right. It's to their detriment because it's saying that there's a... But whatever. The, the, whatever it is. You're right. But it just... We don't trust it at all. Okay. Because maybe they're lying. Maybe they wanted to try and then if her husband would really die, so then it would... Uh, you understand? It messes everything up. You got it. Okay. It's a way to mess it up once it comes out. Anyway. No, but you have to understand that it's to their own... Detriment. They're cutting their nose to spite their face over here, right? Because we sometimes because we're allowing them to marry, but people can do that. As we'll see, we'll get to in the Gemara. Okay. Um, so the one with independent verification is stuck, but the one without the independent verification is free to marry. Now, what if one has children, the other one doesn't have children? So the mission says, uh, the one with children is free to marry because, after all, she's not falling to evil. Okay, and as far as her husband being dead, we believe her about herself that her husband's dead, but the other one, she still falls, she, she, we, she's, she's of the Greek, and she cannot get married. What if there are brothers here? So, um, so the, the brother, you know, so the, besides for the one brother-in-law, the sister-in-law's husband, um, there's another brother, so another two brothers. So one does Yibam to this one, but the other one does Yibam to the other one. And then those Yibamim die. So according to the Tanakama, that falls back into the same circumstance of now we can't let him get married because now there's this other brother that's in question that we don't know if he's free, she's free to marry. And Rebbe Lazar says, no, no, no. At this point already, once we already allowed her to marry Yavam, um, so then it, that's it. We, we already believed her enough that the Yavam was able to do Yavam, so then it's considered a, a, a given that, uh, that, that it's True that her husband is dead, as far as the other the co-wife is concerned, the 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 um, the, the sister-in-law is concerned, and that is Rabbi Lazar Shito. That's as far as we got to yesterday. We'll take it from here.